In 2012, Pastor Brian, Karen, Pastor Jeanette, and a few other Grace Chapel leaders visited one of our partner churches in Kenya, Nairobi Chapel. And as they shared about their respective ministry practices, they became very interested by the Mizizi content that their entire church was going through. They thought, what if we did something similar? What if we did this? After Pastor Doug met with the author, Pastor Marathi, we launched Plugin, and about 800 people went through it. Oh, by the way, this is the same Pastor Marathi who was our global awareness speaker back in 2015. It felt like it was time to take our entire church through it, with a sermon series, daily readings, and coming together to share. Our hope is that we grow in Christ together, and to do that, we need to strengthen our roots. Well, good morning, Grace Chapel. Good to be with you all today as we begin our Roots Challenge together. But before we jump into the message, I'd like to take just a moment or two to speak and pray into our unsettling political climate right now and to the situation involving refugees and immigrants uh, these days. As you know, in the interest of national security, our president uh, issued an executive order placing a temporary but indefinite, some temporary but indefinite restrictions on, on immigration and refugee resettlement. And as you also know, just recently, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, just put a restraining order on that, uh, those particular restrictions. So all of that makes for a continuing, continually changing situation, a complex one and sometimes a controversial one. But overall, the, the entire issue has raised some humanitarian concerns for many on the part of the many, many millions who are seeking safety and safe haven somewhere in the world, and some of them seeking it here in the United States. It's also raised concerns for legal residents and green card holders here in our country who are facing some uncertainty about their status and feeling perhaps afraid to travel or worried about long-term separation from their extended family members. There are many in our Grace Chapel family who are feeling some of these things very deeply these days. It's also presenting some challenges to our mission partners who work with displaced people groups, uh, World Relief and Greater Boston Refugee Ministry uh, in particular. So we know that a chief responsibility of any government is to provide for the safety and security of its citizens, and we certainly affirm that. We also know that caring for the orphan and the widow and the stranger and the alien and the refugee, these are deeply embedded biblical values and have historically been a hallmark of the church's role in society. So how do we respond to these uh, equally valid challenges of national security and compassion for those in need? How do we honor our commitments to our country and to the mission of the gospel as well. Let me offer three suggestions. The first is that we can pray. We can pray for our leaders that they might have wisdom as they balance these two concerns and deal with a continually changing global uh, environment. We can pray for those who, who are fleeing danger and oppression and pray that they might find their way to safety somewhere and pray for those in our own country who are feeling uncertain. We can pray for agencies and partners, uh, both Christian and governmental, that are serving displaced people here in the States and around the world. So we can pray. Secondly, we can be a force for good in the midst of this challenge. We can be well-informed about what's happening. We can constructively advocate 
for whatever dimension of the challenge feels most important to us. We can reach out to people in need and support those who are doing so in whatever way we can. So let me encourage you just to be well-informed, to look beyond your present news feed and try to find some balancing or some well-rounded uh, points of view on some of these issues. Pastor Jeanette has posted a very helpful blog on our church website that connects you to some resources, both for information and to connect to some of our partner agencies. Uh, I tweeted an article the other day that also references uh, some practical ways to pray and be involved, and you can find that at, at Brian Wilkerson. So we can pray, we can be a force for good, and thirdly, we can be sure that these things don't cause division in our church or in the church at large. I mean, these are very complex issues, and reasonable, godly Christian people will arrive at a variety of perspectives as how we can best address these particular challenges. So let's listen well to each other. Let's respect each other's points of view, believing that we need to hear from those who might see things differently than we do. Let's preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Let's refrain from jumping to conclusions or passing judgments on those who might see things differently than we do. Let's refrain from Facebook and Twitter wars that are usually not helpful or winsome for the cause of Christ. And let's spend a little less time trolling the net, looking for trouble, and let's instead spend some more time in prayer, spend some more time reaching out to people around us from different cultures and backgrounds and perhaps nations, and looking for ways to support and serve and partner with those who are doing good here in our country and around the world. Let's show the world what it looks like to do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with God. So let's pray as we do that. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that we can come to you in all the circumstances of life, in times of deep personal need and also national and global challenge. And so we look to you now on behalf of the leaders of our nation and world leaders as well, that you might grant them wisdom and humility and courage and good counsel as they seek to protect our nation and preserve world order and at the same time, show compassion to those who are in need. You promise to give wisdom to those who ask. May their hearts be open to you and your wisdom. Lord, we look to you on behalf of the millions in our world who are seeking a safe place to live and land. Show us as a nation, show us as a church, Lord, the role you might have us to play in providing that for them, in welcoming and serving them. And Lord, we pray for those who are on the run that you might lead them to places of safety. We pray for those in our nation already, some even in our own church community who are feeling uncertain and afraid. May they find rest in you. May they find welcome in your church. We pray for some of our partner agencies for World Relief, for Greater Boston Refugee Ministry, and for others who are serving displaced persons here and around the world. Provide them with the resources they need and the wisdom to deploy, to deploy those resources in helpful and constructive ways. And we pray for ourselves, Lord, that you might grant us open hearts and open homes to those already around us who are in need, and in particular, those who come from different cultures and backgrounds. Remind us, Lord, that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our enemies are not people of other religions or nations, 
Our enemies are not people who voted differently than we did. Our enemies are the spiritual forces of pride and fear and anger. Deliver us from them, Lord, by your spirit, by your word, and by the diverse fellowship of your people. And we pray all these things in the name of the only one who can keep us safe, the only one who can make us one, and the only one who can bring us home in this life and in the life to come. Jesus, in whose name we pray and trust, amen. Well, thank you for taking that moment together. Let's now turn our attention to the message of the day. Let's, for a moment, try to get inside the thoughts of a Grace Chapel person who arrived at church this morning and found a Roots book sitting on their seat. Excuse me. Sounds interesting. Well, at least we're not talking about money anymore. <laughs> Funny thing about roots is you can't see who has them. They're below the surface. Some people talk and act like they got it all together, and then something happens and you find out. It was all a good act. So you can't see other people's roots. How do you see your own? Is there a way to know how deep they go? I'd rather not experience a hurricane to find out, thank you very much. Are they always growing or, I mean, naturally spreading out deeper while, uh, as long as I'm a Christian or am I supposed to be doing something? I'm no gardener, there's no green thumbs in my family, but uh, I suppose that roots need water and uh, sun, manure. Miracle grow. Can I get some of that, please? <laughs> yeah, hmm. Seems like in some seasons, plants are growing above ground, and in some seasons, below. I've noticed that in faith, roots come at a cost. Time loss, a hard experience, a mistake you got to learn from. Makes me kind of nervous about trying to go deeper. And what does community have to do with this? I'm, I'm happy to read the book, but it's a little late to be adding another meeting to my schedule. The life community thing, it's never been for me. I, 
I know a lot of people like it, and that's good, uh, but different people grow in different ways, and I've just never been the kind of person who's into the touchy-feely stuff. Roots seems like a personal topic to me. Not sure I want other people digging around in my garden. <laughs> I've read other books before. I've done some discipleship things, uh, made my New Year's resolutions like everybody else. But even when the material is good, it, it, it's hard to make it stick. It, it, it's hard to move from good intentions to real change. How is this series going to be any different? But I, uh, I'll give it a shot. I want roots. I, I want to be the healthy tree by the banks of the river with, with all the fruit that doesn't fall off in the rain or whatever the image is. I, I, I want to become the person I'm supposed to be. I want to know that in five years' time, my roots, my faith is deeper than it was five years back. I want to know I could face the hurricane. Well, I imagine we all had some of those same thoughts as we sat down and picked up our Roots book here today. Maybe you're wondering what makes this book so special that we'd be willing to spend nine weeks of our church life on it. Maybe you have tried some of these kinds of things before, and you're wondering what makes this one any different than, than all the others. Maybe you're wondering how you're going to add daily Bible reading to your weekly schedule. Maybe you're not so crazy about other people digging around in your garden? Those are all very legitimate questions to be asking. At the same time, I have to believe we all want what the Roots Challenge is offering, a faith that can stand up to the stresses and storms of life and a life that's good for us and for the world. That kind of life is possible. It's attainable. It's not just for the few. It's not just for the elite. It's not just for people who happen to have the right temperament for these things. It's not just for those who happen to land in happy circumstances. You can have a faith that's strong and deep and good. All you need are roots. Now, we have just finished casting a fresh vision for our life and mission as a church. We're talking about making and mobilizing more disciples for Jesus Christ. Or to put it in everyday language, we're all about discovering life with God for the good of the world. And I can't think of a better way to begin doing that than for our whole Grace Chapel family to enter into this discipleship experience called Nizizi, which is Swahili for roots. We are so grateful to our friends at Nairobi Chapel who have designed this and shared it so freely with us. Grateful for hundreds of you here at Grace over the years who have been through the course and helped us to refine it and adapt it to our setting. But it's so good. We don't want it for just 800 folks. We want everybody to know the joy of having a faith that is rooted. And so that's what we're all about here.
Now, if you can remember back to September, we announced that our theme for this church year would be rooted and growing. We spent some time in the book of Colossians in a series that we called Thrive, learning what it means for our lives, our homes, our church, our world to thrive. Our theme verse for the year came out of the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So we have strategically placed this Roots Challenge right at the center of our church year and right after the Go series, believing that this experience has the potential to shape our lives and our church for years and years to come. So you might think of my message today as something like a pre-game pep talk that a certain coach might give to a certain team before a certain game just a few hours from now. I know it's on your mind, so let's just get it out of the way, okay? And <laughs> we can move on. Now, I don't know that Coach Belichick has a career in store as a motivational speaker or not. <laughs> but I've got to believe that a few hours before that game, he's going to get them together, his team in a locker room, and he's going to look them in the eye. And he's going he's to want to help them believe that Super Bowl 51 is the most important game of their lives and that he needs every one of them to bring their very best to the moment. And I hope by the time we're done today, you'll feel the same way about this Roots Challenge. So let me offer you some inspiration this morning by way of one of the most vivid and compelling images in all of Scripture. It's found in Psalm 1. I'm going to ask you just to listen to that psalm for a moment, allow the image to kind of capture your imagination, and then we'll come back and we'll take a little bit uh, more close, uh, close look at it. Blessed is the man or woman who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, who doesn't stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law they meditate day and night. They are like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in its season and whose leaves do not wither. And whatever they do, they prosper. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. So the wicked will not stand in the day of judgment, nor in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's back up and take a look at just a few of the verses there in that wonderful little psalm. The psalm opens by offering us a contrast between two very different kinds of people, two very different ways of living. And verse 1 describes people who choose to do life without God. The New International Version translates it this way. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. 
So the writer uses three different words to describe the people he's talking about here. Wicked speaks to an ungodly kind of character. Sinners speaks to bad behavior. And, and mockers speaks to a cynical, unbelieving attitude. Now, it's important to understand, he's not describing career criminals here. He's not talking about, uh, about party animals. He's not describing hardcore atheists. He's simply describing people who have chosen to do life without God. Now, they may believe in God, they may not, but they simply live their lives as if God doesn't exist. They don't, they don't think about God, they don't worship God, they don't try to honor God in their daily lives. And many readers have detected a kind of downward progression in this life without God. At first, you're just kind of walking alongside the ungodly, rubbing shoulders with them uh, and with their values and attitudes and behaviors. After a while, you find yourself uh, kind of standing around with them. In fact, the words there describe uh, taking your stand with them, as if you're kind of identifying with those values and behaviors and attitudes. And before you know it, you're, you're sitting down with them. The word actually describes making yourself at home with these values and attitudes and behaviors. Now, I've read and taught this passage many, many times over the years, but the image that came to my mind this time around was the image of a seed being carried along by the wind, kind of walking in the counsel of the ungodly. And then that seed lands on a particular patch of ground, standing in the way of sinners. And then it remains there long enough to begin putting down roots in that patch of ground, sitting in the seat of scoffers. The idea is, I don't think this person intentionally chose to do life without God. They've simply been carried along by the winds of life, landed in uh, perhaps an ungodly kind of place, but have allowed themselves to, to put down roots in a life without God. And that can happen to any of us. It can happen to any of us if we're not attentive to where life is taking us, to who we're hanging around with, to the things we're reading and thinking about. You see, the thing about a plant is that it will put down roots. Any seed, any plant, if it has any life at all in it, will send its tendrils down into whatever patch of ground it lands on. And that patch of ground, that soil, for better or for worse, will have a lot to do with how that plant grows and thrives and how long it lasts. So let me stop and ask you for a moment. Where has life taken you this year? Who are you hanging around with and being influenced by these days? What are you reading and watching and listening to and thinking about and dreaming of? Have you allowed yourself to settle down in some no-God kind of places? To have your values and attitudes, behaviors shaped by some no-God kinds of influences? See, I don't think most of us would choose deliberately to live life without God. It's just if we're not careful, we just let ourselves get carried to different places. We get lazy about who we're hanging around with and what we're thinking about, and suddenly we are being shaped by the environment we've landed in. So here we are in February, halfway through the school, work, church year. Maybe you're happy with where the year has brought you. Maybe you're not happy with where you are right now, 
with, with the person you're becoming. We have an opportunity right here this February to, to plant ourselves by streams of water, to, to start becoming the kind of person and living the kind of life we were meant to live and be. And verse 2 describes that different kind of life. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Now this person has chosen a with God kind of life. When the writer talks about the law of the Lord here, he's not just talking about the Ten Commandments or even the, the first five books of the law, the Pentateuch, the Torah. He's talking about all of God's instruction, all of God's words, all of God's ways, all of God's people, the, the God kind of life. And he says the person who takes an active interest in these things um, delights in them. And the word he uses there to delight in something, it's the word you would use to describe a, a man who's fallen in love with a woman. He, he can't stop thinking about her. He's always wondering when he'll get to be with her next. He's always thinking of things he wants to tell her or ask her or thinking of experiences that they might share together. That's the kind of delight and desire being described here. And that word meditate, it's much more active than it sounds. It's not passively contemplating your navel or the nature of the cosmos. It's not mindlessly reciting some, some mantra or emptying your mind of thought. It's a very active, engaging word. It literally describes talking to yourself or with yourself about something, thinking out loud, engaging, interacting with an idea or a principle or a thought. And that's what this kind of person, this with God kind of life, that's what we do with God's word and God's ways. We think about them, we interact with them, we engage them, we process them, we talk to ourselves and to other people about them. And that whole process, the writer is going to suggest to us, is like a tree putting down roots. It gives us an opportunity to interact, to process, to engage with God's word and God's ways and God's people. The Roots Challenge. Now, I did just enough research this past week to be dangerous on the subject of roots. So if you're a botanist and you want to set me straight, just do it later because right now what I got works, okay? It fits really nicely. So but basically, what I discovered is that roots kind of work their way through the soil in search of three things, water, oxygen, and nutrients. Pretty much every plant needs those three things. They may need different combinations of them depending on the plant, depending on the season, but a plant needs oxygen, water, and nutrients. And it turns out there are three primary components to the Roots Challenge. There's the weekly teaching from God's Word. There's daily engagement with the Scriptures and with God. And then there's group life. So there's teaching, there's reflection, and there's community. And every Christ follower needs those three things in some combination to be healthy and growing and rooted. And so we'll be providing those three experiences for you over the course of the next couple of months. Every Sunday, one of the pastors or I will, will do some teaching and we'll kind of lay a biblical foundation for the particular theme of that week, the particular aspect of the Christian life we're talking about. And that'll be the basis for your further reflection discussion that week. But then your workbook will provide you with five daily readings involving some scripture and reflection and some questions for you to work through. 
That's why we want everybody to have a workbook, because we want you to be able to mark it up. But I would also encourage you to get yourself a journal, something alongside where you can write some more thoughts and things like that. Now, I realize that may be a new experience for you to set aside time every day to read and reflect. Maybe 20 or 30 minutes is a lot longer than you've typically been spending. Maybe you don't think of yourself as the reflective kind of a person. Let me just encourage you to give it your best shot as we enter into this experience together. I like the fact that it's only five days of reading because it gives you a little bit of grace and flexibility if you miss something along the way. But as valuable as that weekly teaching and that personal engagement is, if you don't have an opportunity to process it with a group of people, to get their insights and their perspective, to have them sharpen you and challenge you and encourage you, without that experience, you don't have everything you need to be rooted and growing. And so we're going to encourage you to find your way to a group. Now, if you're in a life community already, you're all set. The leaders are ready to go, and you'll have time every other week or every week to explore these things with your group. If you're not in a life community, but you've thought about it, this is a great way to give it a try. We're going to give you kind of a money-back 60-day guarantee. Jump in. When you're done, you're done. If that group or whatever's not for you, then just drop out again. But there are life communities all over our region. We'd love to help you find one. Stop it in the lobby and ask some questions. Go to our life community locator on the website and find a group for yourself. But we know that many perhaps are not able to do a life community. So we're beginning what we call these roots groups. And we're ready to launch 50 of them. We've got leaders all ready to go. Roots groups on Sunday mornings on all of our campuses, 1230, one on Sunday evening, and a couple during the week. So we'd love to have you find a group, jump in for those, these next eight weeks or so, and, and experience what uh, the Roots Challenge can, can mean for you. So in the same way that, that a plant needs oxygen, water, and nutrients to grow, a Christian needs biblical teaching, personal reflection, and community life to grow and flourish. So what can you expect if you choose one of these two kinds of life, the with God life or the without God life? In the next couple of verses, the writer describes the outcomes of those two choices. And in verse 3, he describes people who choose to do life with God. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So here's that beautiful, compelling image of a tree planted by streams of water. And the verse suggests that well-rooted trees are characterized by three things. Stability, growth, and fruitfulness. Stability, growth, and fruitfulness. First, a well-rooted tree is stable because the roots, if they go deep enough, if they go wide enough, will hold the tree in place when storms and stresses come. A tree without roots is vulnerable. If those roots aren't deep enough, if those roots aren't extensive enough, it's vulnerable. It can be blown over by a gust of wind or washed away by a torrent of water. So let me ask, how well-rooted is your faith? Are you confident that your faith could stand up to the hurricane? Should it come? Is your knowledge of God and his ways deep enough for the complex challenges and problems of life? 
Do you have a broad enough understanding of Scripture that you have places in Bible you can turn to and hold on to when life gets confusing and difficult? A well-rooted tree is stable. Secondly, a well-rooted tree is growing. A well-rooted tree draws its nutrients up through the ground, and they flow upward into the tree, strengthening the trunk, extending the branches outward and upward toward the sun. Without nutrition being drawn from the ground, without growth underground, the tree can't grow above ground. You put a plant in a pot that's too small, and the roots will be constricted, and that plant will never reach its full potential in terms of its size and its fruitfulness. So let me ask, are you growing in your faith? Are you more Christ-like this year than you were last year? Would your coworkers or your family members say so? Are you finding victory over some besetting sins and struggles in your life? You see, we don't just grow automatically because time passes, because you sit through enough church services. Growth happens when we put down roots into God's word and God's people and God's ways. So a well-rooted tree is stable, it's growing, and thirdly, it's fruitful. A well-rooted tree produces leaves that, that provide shade from the sun and that breathe oxygen into the atmosphere and provide nesting places for the birds. A well-rooted tree produces flowers that, that, that bring beauty to the earth and fruit that's good to eat and seeds that will ensure the propagation of the species. Is your life like that? Is your life fruitful? Is your workplace or your school or your neighborhood, is it a more beautiful place because you're there? Is your family thriving because of the life-giving presence you bring to it? Is, is the kingdom of God advancing in your part of the world because you're scattering seeds of the gospel everywhere you go in word and deed? Stable, growing, fruitful. Isn't that the kind of life we all want to live? Aren't those the words we'd want to describe our faith? Isn't it interesting that, that hum, the human story begins in a garden? where places are meant to grow. Isn't it interesting that God's first words to the human race were, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Friends, this is our destiny. It's to grow, it's to thrive, it's to flourish, it's to be stable and fruitful. This is God's will for all of our lives, not just for the few, for the elite, for those who have the temperament, for those who land in happy circumstances. And it's not for those who try harder who grit their teeth and work their way to spiritual maturity. A tree doesn't try to grow. A tree just grows because life flows upward from its roots. And so this faith is available to anyone who will begin putting down roots into God and his ways and his people. Pastor Tom shared a story with us recently of a, a woman, a family from the Wilmington campus there. Now, the, the Wilmington campus already got to hear her whole story, but the rest of us didn't, so I want to share just a little bit of it. Uh, she and her husband grew up in religious homes, but as they came to adulthood, they kind of decided that the religious life just wasn't really for them. As they became parents and had kids, they decided they really didn't have any particular plan for providing religious education for their children. It, just, it was kind of life without God. 
but they happen to find themselves living next door or behind a, a, a family from the Wilmington campus. And they were struck by the goodness and the normalcy of their lives, meaning they weren't weird, okay? <laughs> so they eventually visited the Wilmington campus on a Palm Sunday, and they've pretty much been attending every week since then. Listen to how she describes what's happening in her life. Every week I look forward to the message because they're so incredibly relevant to my life. I've met and made friends with people who are just like me. I find my thirst for knowledge of the Bible increasing, along with my desire to speak to a higher power through prayer. For the first time in my life, when I feel lonely, I'm no longer alone. It makes me believe I am truly where I am meant to be. Sounds like she's beginning to put down roots, doesn't it? In, in, in weekly instruction from God's word, in personal prayer and reflection, in experiences of community life. She sounds like a tree that's been planted by streams of water. This life, this faith is for all of us. It doesn't matter how new you may be to faith or church. It doesn't matter how many times you've tried or failed at this sort of thing before. It doesn't matter how many years you've been rooted and growing because a healthy plant never stops growing and producing fruit. There's only one hitch, one very important detail. You have to be planted in a good spot. The writer is very specific here, like a tree planted by streams of water. Remember, these are desert people. They understand how important water is to any plant's growth. A tree that's planted by water, the soil will always be moist. It'll always be loose. It'll always be full of nutrients. And that word planted implies a very deliberate act. It could almost be translated transplanted, as in a plant that's been moved from one location to another location. So he's not talking about a life that accidentally gets blown to a happy place. He's talking about a very deliberate decision to plant yourself to plant your family, to plant your church in a fertile environment where you can put down good roots. Now, I know the gardening season is still a ways away, but it will come sooner or later, and we'll go out into our backyards and do our thing. Now, Karen really is the gardener in our family. I can do the grunt work of mowing and raking, but she's the one with the green thumb. And every spring, I know what's going to happen. She's going to find a plant or two or three that didn't do well last year, that didn't thrive, that looks to me like it's a goner. But she's going to dig it up, and she's going to move it to a different spot where the sun and the soil and the moisture will be just right. And chances are that plant is going to begin to thrive. And that's what the writer is describing here, a tree planted and maybe transplanted, intentionally placed by streams of water. I don't know where life has taken you this year. I don't know where you've landed. I don't know who you're hanging around with. I don't know what you're reading and thinking about and who's influencing you. What I do know is that this winter into spring, we all have an opportunity to plant ourselves by streams of water and begin putting down roots into God. And I happen to believe that it may be the most important season of your life 
and it's worthy of our very best engagement. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for bringing us to this day, to this new season, to this new opportunity. Thank you for the promise of thousands of people, our entire community here, spending these next couple of months in worship and learning, in prayer and reflection, in deepening relationships with each other. Thank you for the promise that it holds for our lives and our homes, our church, our city, and our world. Help us, Lord, overcome whatever resistance we might be feeling in our hearts right now, whatever fear, uncertainty we might be having. By your Spirit, give us courage, give us faith, and the willingness to take a risk as we begin putting down roots into your word and your people. We look forward to what you'll do among us. In Jesus' name, amen.